0: This is the Heartland Daily Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. This is Anne-Marie Schuber of Healthcare News, Now, we're beginning to understand why the nation was so fearful over COVID and how the government was able to use the excuse of a virus to trample over liberties for a long period of time. And now we know that social media uh, was one of the enablers. The big question is whether social media, a private enterprise, did this of its own volition. My guest today is here to discuss evidence that suggests no Janine Yonis is an attorney at the New Civil Liberties Alliance, which is representing four private plaintiffs in a lawsuit against the Biden administration filed by the Attorneys General of Missouri and Louisiana. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, Before we get to these emails, tell us about your involvement in the case. Who are you representing and why?
1: So I'm representing four private plaintiffs. That's uh, Jay Bhattacharya and Martin Kulldorff. They co-authored the Great Barrington Declaration. Uh, some people might be familiar with it sort of. Uh, eschewed lockdowns, said that lockdowns were a bad idea uh, because they did more harm than good to society overall, and instead resources should be devoted to protecting vulnerable people. Uh, and then two others, Aaron Cariotti, who was a professor at UC Irvine before he was fired for not getting the vaccine, uh, and a woman named Jill Hines, who runs an organization called Health Freedom Louisiana. So um, they are alleging that they were censored on social media for expressing views about COVID that uh, differed from the government's, and that that censorship didn't happen because the private companies wanted to, as many people have claimed but because the government had been basically coercing or pressuring the private the, the, uh, tech companies to censor them.
0: So there was a discovery hearing, and uh, this evidence, which are emails, emerged between the White House and Facebook. Tell us what in particular stood, about, stood out about this communication.
1: So, well, to be clear, there's been a lot of discovery orders that's been going on for quite some time. So I'll back up a little bit because I think that shows why the latest emails that I think you're talking about are important. So... Uh, The White House had been making the White House members of the Biden administration, uh, especially the president himself, the Surgeon General and the former press secretary, Jennifer Psaki, had been making statements since about uh, May of 2021, threatening tech companies with negative consequences if they didn't do more to censor covid, quote unquote, misinformation. And, you know, misinformation is just a term that's used uh, for anything that is different from what the administration uh, agenda is. Um, So they had been making these statements that was sort of the crux of the lawsuit. As the result of an initial discovery order, we got quite a few emails between the tech companies and the government. And some of them are uh, somewhat pressuring, but a lot of them make it look as though the companies are doing this voluntarily. So they're emailing, you know, and these are usually from about the summer of 2021 onwards. So and the, the tech companies will be emailing CDC or DHS saying, like, what kind of posts can we take down? What should we be on the lookout for? It looks a little bit like a collaboration. But we suspected that that wasn't really what was going on behind the scenes. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the latest emails from this guy in the White House, Rob Flaherty, kind of confirm that um, these email- emails are extremely uh, there. He's constantly berating the companies. He's aggressive. His tone is basically, you know, do do what I want to do or else Uh, censor these people or else. And, uh, you know, I think that really changes the nature of the of the I don't want to. I, I shouldn't say the nature of the lawsuit, but I think that makes a very, very strong First
0: Amendment case. Oh yeah, I, you wrote about these emails in an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal, and we'll link to that because I think you really have to see them in writing. Um, you think that they're between this demanding bo- boss and an underling, and the Facebook people are so apologetic. Um, now, is it against the Constitution for the White House to have any communication with a private company? That's an
1: excellent question. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's uh, interesting because we don't really have a lot of on point case law. Um, there's a lot of there are a lot of cases that you can draw analogies to um, and that say basically it's called what this is called state action theory. That the government can't use private companies to get around the Constitution. So it comes up most often in the context of the Fourth Amendment that prohibits uh, warrantless searches and seizures for the most part. Mm. And so the example I would use there is like the government can't hire a private company or threaten a private individual uh, to break in, you know, telling them they'd better break into your home or hire a private company to do it voluntarily because they don't have a warrant and, you know, get, get you to search their home or get a private individual to search their home. Um, I think this didn't come up a lot in the First Amendment context because before social media, there wasn't uh, so much of a way to sort of censor Americans um, you know yeah. as, a, as a group. Like you you sometimes had cases where the government would call a newspaper and say it'd really be better for us if you didn't run the story or don't run the story and the, the Pentagon Papers is probably the most famous case, but it was pretty rare. Um, and it, it also didn't, it, what didn't really involve state action theory, because if a newspaper decides not to run at something, that's not really about the, you know, the newspaper has editorial discretion. So it's not really about censoring the individual whose story it is. It's more about the newspaper. So the newspaper would bring the claim. It's not this sort of third party thing, yeah. um, uh, So that's why this is sort of new terrain. And I think it's really important to get courts to recognize that the government can't try to circumvent the First Amendment by getting the tech companies to censor people based on viewpoint, um, you know, expressing disfavored viewpoints.
0: Yeah. Now, COVID was a public emergency. I mean, it still is because the declaration was renewed last week. Uh, Does the administration get any constitutional slack in that situation to be able to communicate or control private companies? I mean, yeah, we, we think of private companies and i'm thinking this um this idea of deceptive advertising when you're using their platforms or a mainstream media you're under this impression that they are independent of the government i mean um, especially with the media, and and we're learning that really isn't the case. That there is this really strong communication uh, with you. Kind of think the subtle enforcement. Uh, do do they get any slack under a public emergency?
1: Um, no, not not for censoring people based on viewpoint. There, you know, there are other ways in which I think um, suspension of rights uh, can come into play when there's a real emergency. Now, I would dispute that there's a real emergency now. Uh, certainly people, you know, <laughs> there's more of a case to be made for an emergency in March, April of 2020. But, uh, you know, I don't. if there's an emergency now, we're always in an emergency and then we might as well not have a constitution then if that allows for the suspension of rights. But I, but the First Amendment really uh, doesn't allow for suspension of rights the way that, that some other uh, parts of the Constitution do.
0: Now, what about when a private company is in agreement with the government's policies and wants to be... Accurate, for example, is there anything wrong with them cooperating together? Like you know, we think is going on in this case.
1: Yeah, well, and so that sort of gets back to what I was talking about with the first round of discovery, where it looks more like that's going on than coercion. Um, I think that that should not be permitted under the First Amendment. That if the companies and the government are working together to accomplish mutual aims, then that uh, that should be considered state action. That should be the then the private companies should be considered essentially state actors and held to constitutional strictures. Because the, why, you know, why should the government be able to? Um do, do that. You know, if they can't directly censor people based on viewpoint, why should they be able to work with the private companies to do that? That doesn't
0: make sense to me. Well, what more has to be done to make sure that there's this wall, that wall, that government doesn't flex its muscle to control the actions of the private sector? Because, I mean, after all, we're a huge regulatory state. This huge bureauc- bureaucracy has so much control over private industry actions. Um, h- how do you address this?
1: Well, that's sort of the point of the lawsuit, right, is to get a court to say you can't do this. And once there's a court order, um, which, you know, we would obviously hope would be upheld on appeal. I mean, undoubtedly, this will go to the higher courts. um, You know, the government can't just flout that or ignore it. So uh, that's why I think it's really important to create precedent here. And the other thing is that once you have a clear holding, so, you know, as I've said Because of the newness of the technology, and we haven't really seen anything like this, uh, there is not a lot of directly on point case law. But once you have a court saying this is a a First Amendment violation, if government officials um, continue that conduct, then they can be held personally responsible, which they can't Typically, uh, usually when you sue the government, it's the it's the officials are sued in their what's called their official capacity, so they're not held personally responsible. They don't like lose their jobs or any. They don't have to pay any money. But if they do things when it's against a clear court order or holding, then that's different, and they can be. So that incentivizes them not to do it.
0: Yeah. So they could be personally liable because uh, you know we see personal names, private names on these lawsuits all the time, uh, but they're protected. I mean, they really um, the, the government's going to pay for their. Defense. Defense and you know, they don't have really anything to fear, right? Yeah. Right.
1: exactly. And I mean, that's that's a big problem generally, but yeah, a separate I, <laughs> discussion.
0: Janine, before I let you go, I have one final question now. You and all these firms are doing terrific work uh, with these uh, public interest lawsuits. What does this say, really, about our republic and the effectiveness of Congress? I mean, it seems like everything now is being debated in a lawsuit. They've turned everything over um, to this big beast. And, law, and lawsuits, are, you know, it seems like the only way we can get accountability. Uh, is this yeah. the new direction of our country?
1: You know, that's uh, I, I really like that question. <laughs> I, I think... Um, You know, I think what we have right now is a a political divide that's so bitter that neither side really cares about the Constitution, uh, which historically hasn't, you know, I mean, obviously there are exceptions, but historically, presidents, administrations, Congress have sort of cared about the Constitution. But I think things have just gotten worse and worse. And now it's just each side kind of trying to digging its heels in and doing whatever it takes to sort of make their point, demonize the other side. And this, I would say, is uh, part of that. You know, there's this idea that it's the misinformation spreaders, the anti-vaxxers who are causing everything wrong with this world on the, on the side of the Democrats. And uh, we have to do whatever it takes to fight them. And um, so I, I think it's, I think it is part of a bigger problem where it's, there's just a disregard for the Constitution and civil rights in a way that we haven't seen before. And I, I consider it to be very dangerous.
0: Well, it's also a sign that the government's too big. <laughs> yes. You know, it, it's yes. just like this That's huge that. amoeba and it's just consuming us right and left. And, you know, I have no reason to doubt that if the other party is in power, we're going to see lawsuits from the other side. I mean, it, it's yeah. just uh, really incredible and something that we certainly have to be mindful of. Well, thank you so much for your work and coming on the podcast and good luck with the case. We'll certainly be watching out for it in in healthcare news.
1: Okay. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me.
0: All right. Janine Yunus is an attorney at the New Civil Liberties Alliance, and I will have a link to that Wall Street Journal op-ed we discussed earlier. And thank you for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please share the link. Become a regular subscriber. That support really does help Keep the Heartland Daily Podcast running every day. This is Anne-Marie Schieber.